All right. Good morning, everybody. Could y'all help me welcome in our Fairview family today? Are you glad they're with us? Yes. We are so glad that we are tuned in together and worshiping together, maybe on two different sides of the counties, but we can, we're serving the same God, and I'm glad God's big enough to be in both places at the same time. Amen? All right. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter number 26. Acts chapter number 26. We're going to finish up the series, Missional Minded Members. We're going to do a little review, and, uh, and then we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to show you how it's done. We're going to act it out right at the end, and uh, I'm, going to need you to, I'm, I'm going to need you to listen fast. How many of y'all can listen fast? Because I jinxed myself this morning. I told Dustin this is going to be short, and every time I say it's going to be short, something happens. So I need y'all to listen fast. So it'll be what it needs to be. And all God's people say it. How many of y'all are still in a turkey coma? <clears throat> Lord have mercy. Boy, it was good. Amen. All right. Have you found your spot? Acts chapter 26 and verse. Let's skip down. Let's skip down to verse number four. Uh, I'll tell you what, what Paul is doing. He's giving his testimony before King Agrippa. He's giving his testimony before King Agrippa. So does everybody understand that? Say Amen. So what we're fixing to read is Paul saying, this is what happened to me. This is, uh, we're going to talk about our story today. All right, we're going to talk about our story today. Everybody, if you're born again, you have a story. You have a story. Some of us, you know, old day, old, old, old time Christians call it a testimony. A testimony. What is your testimony? Basically, your testimony is your story. Your story. Does that make sense? Say amen. All right, now let's look at verse 4. Let's get down to verse number 4. Paul says, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. In other words, he said, they know all about the way I used to be. Which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise of God unto our fathers. Under which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against him. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. What's he saying? This is my life before Christ. This is my life before Christ. Sounds pretty rough, don't it? I mean, he, he, he was a bad guy. Bad guy. He was religious, but he had a zeal, but he had no knowledge. All right? So... How many of y'all glad God saves bad people? I am too. Verse, verse 12, now he says how he came to Christ. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. 
But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, to turn uh, them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. All right, that's how he came to Christ. Now he's fixing to say his life, come on everybody, his life after Christ. He said, whereupon, O king, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, And then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance or reflecting, showing that you've repented. For this, these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Watch this now, verse 23. Now it's fixing to give him the gospel that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, I'm so grateful for your mercy, your kindness, your touch, your love toward us. I pray right now that you'll touch every person in this room. Lord, I pray that your will be done today. This is so important. This is so important. Everything we've learned in the last three weeks will matter none if we don't get today. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's do a brief review real quickly. A a brief review of what we've learned so far. All right. We've had three weeks of missional minded members. Uh, What does it mean to be a missional minded member? You realize that you're a missionary and what you do on the side is what's on the side. In other words, I'm a missionary first, but then I pastor a church. You're a missionary first, but you paint houses for a living. You're a missionary first, but you fix cars for a living. Does that make sense? If you're a child of God, it is your responsibility, it is your calling, it is a command from God that we share the gospel, that we share our story, that we tell people about the Lord Jesus. If that makes sense, say amen. It means that everybody's a missionary, not just the ones that go to Africa. Okay, there's no such thing as professional missionaries. There's no such thing as professional gospel sharers. We have all the responsibility to share the gospel. Now, in the first message, we learned where our field is, right? We learned where our field is. Our field is wherever we happen to, wherever we happen to be. If you're at the the supermarket, that's your field. If you're, you're, you know, because we say the field, you ask a a missionary that's going to a foreign field, uh, what's your field? Well, my field is Tanzania. Or, or my field is Germany. That's where God is sending me. Uh, that's where God wants me to serve. Uh, but, but when we, we ask ourselves, uh, what's your field? Holly Pond. Uh, what's your field? Well, I got Fairview. Uh, what, what's your field? Well, I got West Point. That's where we serve, wherever we happen to be. You don't have to be on a foreign field. You don't, listen, being a missionary doesn't mean you have to have a platform in a pulpit. All you need is a person and an opportunity. For example, 
For example, last week, uh, uh, me and my wife was, was looking at a vehicle and uh, we took it for a test drive and, 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 and the car dealer went with us. That was my field. He couldn't go nowhere. That was the longest test drive anybody ever had. Amen. I told Tammy, I'm not through. Drive some more. Amen. No, it, it, it was an opportunity. He's there in the vehicle with us. And I said, hey, man, what's your story? And boy, he shared me his story. I said, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what happened to me. And, and, and so that was where we happened to. So it doesn't matter. You can be at the supermarket. You can be in the line at the grocery store. You can be uh, sitting in the park on a park bench. It doesn't matter. Your field is wherever you happen to be. It's where you happen to work. It's where you happen to play. It's where you ha- Is everybody with me on that? Jesus stopped at a well. He stopped at a well in Samaria. And the, and the disciples went on into the town. He's sitting there resting because he's weary from his journey. And here comes a Samaritan woman. And he took advantage of an opportunity. He was there. She was there. He shared the gospel with her. She got saved. What did he do? He was a missionary where he happened to where he happened to be. Now, so that was the first, that was the first lesson. The second message was on praying for Bob. How many of y'all remember Bob? How many of y'all remember Bob? Yeah, we're praying for Bob. Now let's review. See how many of y'all, uh, I'm not going to help you either. You're going to have to know it. Amen. All right. If we pray for Bob every morning, we pray for Bob every morning. First, we pray for a burden. We pray for a burden. God, give us a burden for sinners. How many of you know, let's be honest. How many of you know we're not going to reach out to sinners unless we care about them? Right? So God, give us a burden. Let us see people like you do. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes that's a struggle for me. Sometimes I see people and I want to choke them to death. Y'all got the most honest pastor in the world. Most people want, I'm just telling you, it's a fact. I, I, I struggle sometimes and, and I get in my flesh sometimes and I see the way people behave and I know they ought not behave that way. And sometimes I don't, I don't see them as a sinner who's broken and is blind and cannot see. That's not how I see them. I see them as somebody who ought to know better. Do I have witness? But we can't see them that way. We've got to see them like Jesus did. The Bible says when Jesus saw the multitude. He saw them as sheep scattered, having no. So here's what you do. The next time somebody does something ignorant, just say, I ain't got no shepherd. I'm going to start using that on Facebook. That poor thing ain't got no shepherd right there. There's no way in the world he's got a shepherd if he's that ignorant today. Say amen. But really, do we have a burden for those that are lost? Now watch this now. We got to have a burden like Jesus. Not a burden like us. It's not hard for me to have a burden for little Carter. I had to do a, a seven-month-old baby's funeral yesterday. It was, it was terrible. Man, it's not hard for me to have a burden for my loved ones and my friends. But Jesus had a burden for those who were nailing him to a cross. And the only way we're going to have that kind of burden is we're going to have to ask God to help us with it. Do I have a witness? Amen. So we're asking for a burden. What else are we asking for? When we pray for Bob, we pray for a burden, and then we pray for opportunity. opportunity. God, give me an opportunity today. Give me an opportunity to share my faith. Give me an opportunity to share my story. All right? That's self-explanatory. I don't have to preach that. Everybody know what that is? Amen? All right. Then, then thirdly, when we pray for Bob, we pray for a burden. We pray for an opportunity, and then we pray for what? 
boldness. Now, how many of y'all, that's what we need? I'm a chicken. I ain't going to lie. I mean, I know I'm supposed to witness. I know I'm supposed to tell everybody, but I'm scared of people. Say amen. amen. And sometimes, even though we know we're commanded to do it by God, we just kind of get caught up and tongue-tied. And, 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 but man, I'm telling you, if you will ask God to give you boldness, he will do that. He'll give you such a boldness that you won't care who you tell. You'll be able to tell everybody. So if you're in the house and you're like your preacher, how many of y'all would agree... Preacher, I could use a little more boldness in my witnessing. Okay, all right, so we're praying for Bob. That was the second lesson, all right? The first, we learned where our field was. It's where we happened to be. The second is what we pray every morning. God, if we're going to be a missional-minded member, we got to pray for Bob. we got to pray for a burden, an opportunity, and boldness. Somebody say amen. Last week, kind of convicting, kind of convicting. It was quiet as a church mouse in here. We learned the good news and the bad news. We learned the good news is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? That's good news, amen? But we learned the bad news. What's the bad news? How shall they call on him who they not believe? How shall they believe without, a, without a hearing, right? How shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody to tell them. Are y'all with me? So what did we learn? We learned that there's a bunch of unsaved men. How many of y'all would agree? All over this planet, all over our communities, there's a bunch of unsaved men. I mean, look at our country. It's obvious that there's a bunch of people that don't know the Lord. We have a bunch of unsaved men. Why? Because we have an unheard message. Say that with me. We have have an unheard message. Would y'all agree the message is good news? Would y'all agree that unsaved men need to hear this message? Do, Do they need to hear that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Okay, then what's the problem? We have some unfaithful messengers. If there's no one to tell them, they're not going to hear. If they don't hear, they're not going to believe. If they don't believe, they're not going to call on him who could save them. Oh, but preacher, you left out one. It says, how shall they preach unless they be sent? But we are sent. Doesn't the Bible say, go ye into all the world? Come on now, y'all, y'all getting quiet again. I know it was convicting the first time. It's worse the second time, amen? We have a problem. We have unfaithful messengers. Now, I don't know what the number is today. It's a pretty good COVID number for us. But if every one of us was faithful in what we have learned in the last three weeks, you should have somebody sitting beside you right now. That's the truth. So, so what do we do? How many, do I have any, do I have any doctors in here? Any doctors in here? Raise your hand if you're a doctor. Any doctors in the house? Do we have any, any nurse practitioners in the house? I know, I seen you. I was wondering if you want to raise your hand. Raise your hand real high. Nurse practitioners, okay, okay. All right, how many nurses? Any nurses in here? Okay, all right, anybody's ever been sick? <clears throat> okay, how many of y'all went, anybody ever been to the doctor? Okay, anybody ever got antibiotics? Raise your hand. I'm going to get all of you, so y'all might as well figure it out. That's where I'm going with this, amen? How many of y'all have had to get antibiotics before in your life? What was the last thing they told you before you left? Take it all. Now, let me ask you a question. You learned something three weeks ago. You learned something two weeks ago. You learned something last week. Is anything we learn going to matter if you don't go do it? 
whatever infection you had, if you did not take that antibiotic, would it do you any good? Are y'all with me? Now, and here's another thing that I learned the hard way. They say, take it all. Now, what do they know? What do they know? They know we're heathens. And just as soon as we feel better, what do we do? We quit taking it. Trust me, I learned that the hard way. I got it worse the second time and I come back and he was a foreign guy and he, he talked. I don't know what all he said, but it wasn't good. <laughs> he knew I didn't take it all. He didn't even have to ask. He knew I didn't take it all. And you know what happens? Sometimes we get all fired up about what we hear and we're excited for just a little bit. And then we kind of cool off. We can't do that. We have to make this part of our lifestyle. This is not a Sunday morning thing. We cannot be Sunday morning glories. I've heard my dad say that for a Sunday morning glory. You're all glorious on Sunday and, and, and everything collapses on Monday. This has got to be a lifestyle. This has got to be something we live, something we think, something we eat, breathe, and, and all that. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now, that was the intro. The, the message is going to be way shorter than the intro, okay? So here's what I want you to write down. If you got your notes right there, first... We're, and this is how we're going to apply this, all right? This is how we're going to apply this. We learn where our field is. We learn how to pray each morning. <clears throat> we learn uh, that there are, are very, very unfaithful messengers. We've got a ton of, ton of lost people because we've got a lot of saved people that's not doing what they're supposed to do. And so I'm going to show you how to do it, all right? I'm, how many of y'all How many of y'all learn by seeing? I, that's, that's the way I am. I like it easy, step by step. Man, draw it out for me. I, I need to see this thing. All right. Uh, don't just tell me how to do it. My brother, last night, my brother is talking about putting in curb stops. Right? I, I, and he was, and he started spitting out numbers and and, and elevation and, and all this kind of stuff. And I just shook my head the whole time. I don't have a clue what he said. It doesn't matter. But when he, when he gets down there and he shows you, are y'all with me? So that's what we're going to do today. I'm not going to tell you what you're supposed to do. I'm going to show you what you're supposed to do. Okay. If that makes sense, say amen. So when we are being a missionary in wherever we find ourselves to be, right? How many of y'all remember the demoniac? The demoniac, the man that was running around in the tombs naked. He was a rude dude, a new dude in a rude mood. Say amen. He was running around. They couldn't control him. They tried to chain him. They tried to, they tried to do everything they could. They couldn't control him. Jesus comes into town. He falls at Jesus' feet. Jesus casts the demons out of him. Here he is. They find him sitting clothed and in his right mind. Somebody say amen. amen. I mean, this man has a life-changing experience with the Lord Jesus. And so now it comes time for Jesus to leave. And he, won't, he goes to get on the ship with Jesus because he wants to be with Jesus. Now, who wouldn't? Amen? After the man who fixed all your problems, you want to be with him. But he said, nope, nope. Here's what I need you to do. What did he tell him? Go home. Say it with me. Go home. Go home to thy friends. And do what? Tell them what good things God's done for you. All right, everybody. If you're saved, you're saved and you know it. Raise your hand. Saved and you know it. Raise your hand. All right. How many, were, how many of y'all were there when it happened? So that means, that means you are an eyewitness. Well, preacher, I don't know what to say. You were there when it happened. All you got to say is what happened to you. 
Okay? So, that's what we're going to do. We have a story. Say this. I have a story. Come on, everybody. Say it with me. Not all stories are the same. Well, actually, I didn't want you to say that part, but it's good. It's okay. My story, my story is different from my father's story. My, fa- my, my story is different from my father's story. Now, I'm going to kind of show you what I mean. I grew up in church my whole life. It's all I've ever known. I was in church nine months before I breathed the first breath of air. I've been in church my whole life, my whole entire life, okay? My father, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was so not a church person. Okay, I have my father's best friend. He just happens to be with us this morning, uh, Mr. Ronnie Hamm. Now, let me tell you how far from church my dad was when he was growing up. Uh, I happened to start, I went to Christian school up into the seventh grade, Rhonda, seventh or eighth grade? Seventh grade, eighth grade, seventh, seventh grade. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Rhonda went home because she had remembered this name, Malcolm Carter, from, from Ronnie telling stories about my dad. And when she got home and told Ronnie, hey, there's a kid in my class named Malcolm Carter. The first thing Ronnie said was, stay away from him. <laughs> Is that the truth? That's the truth. You know why? Because they used to run together. My father had no church experience. Well, actually, he had two church experiences. The first time he went and they kicked him out because he wasn't dre- the, the deacon said he wasn't dressed appropriately to be in church. The second one, he was stealing the gas out of the just cars at the revival. That was his church experience. But then he got saved. And I, I've told all y'all that. And it just drastically changed his life. It's such a, that's his story. But my story's different. My story's totally, totally different than his. But guess what? It's my story. Don't discount your story. The way you came to Christ, what Christ did for you, it doesn't matter. Your story is powerful. Your story is powerful. Listen, my dad tells a story of what God saved him out of. I tell a story of what God saved me from. Does that make sense? So don't ever think that your story is not powerful. You have a story. Now, here's what I want to do. We're not going to preach the first point. Just write this down. When we reach, when we witness, we're the missionary. We happen to be with someone uh, at the park bench or, or uh, at the bench uh, at, at Walmart. At Walmart, great place. How many of y'all know there's some sinners go up in Walmart? <laughs> or the airport. The airport is another place. Dear Jesus, say amen. Yeah. All right, so you're sitting here. Somebody sits beside you. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. You know, I used to, I used to like to have an opening statement uh, and I would say, hey, do you get to go to church anywhere? You get to go to church anywhere. If it's, if it's like real fast or in the drive-thru at McDonald's or, or the waiter or the waitress, you know, you don't want to take up their time and get them in trouble with their boss. So you say, hey, you get to go to church anywhere? You, you don't, man, I would love to invite you to Temple Baptist Church. That's great. If, you're, if you got to do something quick, that's a great. But if you really want to share your story, if you really want to witness, and, 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 and here's what you say. Hey, man, tell me your story. Tell me your story. How many of y'all know that people love themselves? Even if they're shy, they want to tell you their story. And usually, I haven't, ha- I haven't had one person say, no, I don't believe I'm going to do that. 
I've had it, when I've tried to witness to people, I have tons of people say, well, I just, I don't want to hear that religious stuff. But I've never one time, now it's, it could happen, and it, it might happen, the more you do it, it's a possibility. But I've never had one person ever say, no, I don't want to tell you my story. Because most people, when they sense that you care about them, they, are, they, they gravitate to people who care about them. You see, us religious people, when I say religious, I'm using that cheek and, you know, tongue in cheek. Because that's the way a lot of people think that we are. But this is the deal. People don't care how much you know till they know, say it with me, how much, how much you care. If they think you're just out for something, that you want something out, and I'm afraid, sadly, that's the way a lot of churches have operated a long time. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus was never out to get. He was always out to give. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So here's, here's, let me give you two verses underneath that. It should be right there in your notes. Look what it says. Proverbs 18, 24. Let's all read it together. Everybody read it together. A man that hath must. Say it again. All right, let's try it together. All right, you ready? And, and I want you at Fairview, make sure to read it so I can hear you here in Coleman. All right, here we go. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Now, what does that mean? If we just say that if you want a friend, be a friend. If you want a friend, be friendly. I, 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 I see people all the time post on Facebook how they don't have nobody and they don't have no friends. Have they looked in the mirror? If you will smile every once in a while, be friendly. Say it with me. Come on, say it again. Let's practice it. Look at your neighbor. Come on. There you go. There you go. See, it's not hard. It's not hard. Well, some of you did, but just do what you can. Be friendly. Come on, say it with me. Be friendly. I have seen some of the most self-righteous, hypocritical, Pharisee religious people that they think the meaner you look, the more holy you are. That is just not biblical. When Jesus came, he said, I came that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. My joy. He said, I'm going to give you my joy that the world can't take away. Are y'all with me? I've spoken these things unto you that your joy might, you might have joy and that you might have it to the full. Somebody say amen. Amen. So be friendly. Say, what's your story? Look at the next one. This this is huge. This is huge. Psalms 142. Psalm 142. I looked on my right hand. This is what the psalmist is saying. He's going through a very difficult and a dark time. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. The word know there means to acknowledge or be acquainted with. They wouldn't even acknowledge my existence, he says. There was no man that would acknowledge me or know me. Refuge failed me. In other words, the places that I used to try to feel safe, they didn't. No man Say it with me. No man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. I, I, I read a startling fact. Uh, and I don't know if it was for a specific state or if it was for the whole country. But do you realize that in this stat it said that more people this past month more people died of suicide 
than they did Corona. They gave up. Refuge failed them. I would be willing to guess that they looked at different places to try to find somebody that would care. And when you say to somebody on the park bench, hey, what's your story? You know what you're telling them? Hey, I care about you. I am interested in you. How many of y'all are not so old that you can remember one of the first times you got one of them little notes or somebody said about, hey, hey, so-and-so was asking about you. Oh, come on, people. Don't, you ain't that old. You remember how you felt? I'm going to tell you, even if they was ugly as can be, you still felt something. You appreciated the thought. Amen? And when you show you care about somebody. And let me say this. Don't let it be fake. Because if you pray for Bob, you're going to pray for a burden. And if you pray for a burden, guess what? You're really going to care. And by the way, let me say this. People can tell if you don't. So, So let's pray. God, help me to love everybody. Help me to love them enough to care, to acknowledge them. Help me to show my interest in the lives of others. And all God's people say it. All right, number two. So what's the first thing we do? Now, I'm I'm just teaching. This is a practical step. How do we do this? I'm just showing you how. First, you ask them, hey, what's your story? Tell me a little bit about yourself, right? All right, secondly, say, can I tell you my story? Do you have just a minute so I can tell you my story? Now, here's your story. Write these three things down. Write these three things down. And we saw it right here in the testimony of Paul. What is your story? It's very simple. It's not complicated. What was your life before Jesus? What was your life before Christ? Your life before Christ. And see, everybody's is different. My dad's life before Christ, he beat up everybody. Or got beat up, one or the other, either one. I mean, it was kind of... All right, Ronnie, can you please let these people know that I'm not making this stuff up. Can you say amen to what I just said? He was a rough man. (laughs) See, we have an eyewitness. He just told his story. Say amen. All right. Now, so my dad would say, hey, this is, this is my, but see, I would come back and say, I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I had tons of verses memorized. Isn't it amazing that you can have two people, totally different stories, but watch this. They were both lost. He was lost in a bar room. I was lost in a Sunday school class. We all have a story. Amen? So your life before Christ. How, B, how you came to Christ. How you came to Christ. Write that down. How you came to Christ. We, I, I heard a testimony, I heard a testimony this past week at Bondo Church of a young man who got into some trouble, who got into some trouble, God got his attention, he's sitting in a jail cell. He prayed a prayer when he was younger uh, as a kid, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't genuine, it wasn't real, and here he is sitting broken, 
And, and God got his attention, and he began to weep, and he began to repent and ask God for, and got saved. It's an incre- Man, I was thrilled to death hearing this story. It's his story. He said, let me tell you how I came to Christ. Some people come to Christ in a crusade. Some people come to Christ in a... Mo- I've read stories, and I have talked to people who were on the verge of suicide, were going to commit suicide in a motel room and open the drawer, and there was a Gideon Bible, and they read a verse, and God touched their soul. And got saved. I, I, know, I know of a gentleman. My dad was coming out of the bathroom at Bethel Baptist Church. And there's like a little foyer before the restrooms. And there's like a little sink. He was coming out and was washing his hands. And the guy said, I need to be saved. Well, dad said, let's go to my office. He said, no, right? They knelt in the bathroom and got saved. I know of somebody. I know of somebody. God's my witness. I'm not making this up. I promise you. He got saved in the floor at Kmart. Now, if you're not old enough to know what Kmart is, you don't understand the irony there. That is the saving place. <laughs> How many of y'all remember Kmart? Mm-hmm. And that was in his testimony. He would say that, and everybody would laugh, chuckle. That's his story. Everybody comes to Christ differently. I was in, I was in if y'all remember, Josh Griffin, we were, we were out coon hunting one night, and it was right before the election of uh, Obama, Right? And, 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 you know, it was going, no matter when, there's going to be conspiracy theories flying around. You know, Obama's the Antichrist. Oh, my goodness, the end of the world. He's the Antichrist. And I'm not saying he ain't yet. He might be still. I don't know. But it, it, it wasn't at the time. And he said, tell me about this. And so here we are. The dogs are out there barking, roo, 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 running all over the woods. And I'm here, and I'm going from Revelation 1 all the way to the end. Son, I preach the Antichrist. I preach the beast. I preach the, the, the rapture of the church. And I preach the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne. Son, by the time we got into Revelation, he said, can you save somebody here? You, no, he said, do you have to be at church to save somebody? I said, no. He said, well, save me now. I said, well, I can't save you, but I know somebody who can. I can tell you who can. And I told him about the Lord and the plans. We knelt right down in the woods. Dogs out there tree and every breath. And we're down in the woods praying. Four of us right there. And he got saved. Everybody's story is different. Everybody's story is different. But that's how he came to Christ. And so you were there when it happened. You have a story. Your, your story is your life before Christ. Your story is how you come to Christ. And one of the most important things. One of the most important things is your life after Christ. How has Christ changed your life? Now watch this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. If he hasn't changed your life, you might not have a story yet. Because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature old things are passed away all things are become become don't don't miss that word there they have become new in other words you're not going to be perfect overnight you're going to still have issues and you're going to still mess your diaper because you're a baby in christ amen babies mess their diaper and 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 you just get cleaned up until you mature and grow you're going to have issues you're going to have mistakes you're going to fail but you're going to be different and see, there's a lot of people that go to church every week and they're really confused about this story stuff. And the reason they're confused about this is because their life never changed. So make sure you have a legit story. If you're still living the same way after Christ as you was before Christ, 
If you're still doing the same things after Christ as you was, you said before Christ, then something's wrong. I guarantee you when that, that man who was, who was delivered of all those demons, when he went home, they could see he was different. Are y'all with me? Okay, I don't mean to pick on you, Ronnie. I'm sorry. But is my dad different? Everybody in town knows he's different. Are y'all with me? One day, one day, man, I hope I have enough time for this. One day, we was at church at Bethel. We had a, a, a work day, a work day. And all the men, we'd come together, whatever dad's list was, pick up bleeds, pick up pine cones. They would go do the cool stuff. Me and my brother had to pick up pine cones. I mean, that's just, but he, we're here working. I happened to be on the front porch of the church. <clears throat> and I think I was changing a light bulb. Uh, the light bulb blowed out, and I was sitting on the, and I seen a car pull by and then come by slowly. And then come back in and pulled in the parking lot. And there was a gentleman, a black gentleman, that got out of that car. And he kept getting out that car. He was a big dude. And he come up, he come up, and this was, this was way back in, in some bad times. He come up, and, and I was the only one there. He said, is that Malcolm Carter on that sign? I said, yes, sir. He said, where is he at? I knew where he was at. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he's at. About that time, Dad and a few other men come around the corner. And, and, and I can't remember his name, but Ronnie, you'd know who it is. Say it again. Harrison Freeman. This was a time that, that anyway, I'll tell you that in a minute. <clears throat> he comes around the corner, and he looks at Dad, and Dad looks at him. And they walked up and smiled and shook hands, maybe hugged. I don't remember. I was too shook up at the time. And he said, Lord, have mercy. I would have never believed it. I saw Malcolm Carter on a church sign saying, Pastor, and I had to see for myself. <laughs> and guess what? He had got saved too. And so here dad is saved, here he is saved, and, and to make a long story short, it was a time of integration, and, and, and so he was, dad was kind of the leader of, 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 of the white side, and he was kind of the leader of the black side, and, and dad had done failed so much, he was the biggest guy in everywhere, he's the only one that ever knew who drove, drove to elementary school, amen, I, I don't, some of y'all get that, you're a little slow, you're a little slow. And my dad said this, they'd pass each other in the hallway and fight. That's all it took. They just had to pass each other in the hallway, and it's a fight. And, it's a, and guess what? It didn't matter what color they was. God changed both of them. And they were both thrilled to death. Two people that literally hated one another was standing there hugging in the front yard almost with tears in their eyes. You know why? Because this was their life after Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Are y'all with me? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, we've got just a few minutes. Brother, Brother Travis, I mean, excuse me, Brother Buchanan, Brother Buchanan, I, I needed, a, I needed a, a candidate for a law center, and Buchanan was the first one come to mind. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Come on up here, Brother Buchanan. We're going we're gonna to show you, slide this out here. All right, slide it on out. All right, sit down, center. 
We ask, what's your story? Then we say, can I share you my story? And then when you share what God's done for you, this is what you say. Can I take just a minute and tell you God's story? Because, because of God's story, I have a story. Because of God's story. And what's God's story? It's the gospel. It's a simple, it's a simple verse by verse plan of salvation. So here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell you it. I wanted to tell you it. But I, I can learn better seeing it. Okay, so we want to do this real quick. And I, I just want to show you. We're on a park bench. And, and, and I've met a new person. It's kind of close for Corona, ain't it? All right. All right. <clears throat> hey, man, what's happening? Nothing much. What's happening to you? Ah, uh, not a whole lot. Come here often. <laughs> yeah, too much. We're at a dog park. <laughs> I have a pit bull. He has a chihuahua. <laughs> I'm kidding. Mine's named Caesar and his name's Julio. All right. Come here, just make fun of my dog? Yes. My dog will eat your dog. Okay, no. Uh, uh, what's your name? Buchanan. Buchanan, my name's Malcolm. It's good to meet you. Good to meet, good you. To meet you. Tell me something about yourself. What's your story? Uh, how far you want to go back? Uh, about two minutes worth. Okay. Uh, so uh, I actually grew up uh, around Atlanta. Uh, and uh, about five years old, my, my parents got divorced. Oh, boy. And, uh, and that kind of affected me pretty bad, if really? I'm being honest with you. Uh, and just kind of dealt with acceptance and uh, got made fun of at school a lot. Oh, um, man. It was bad. Uh, but, hey, if, 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 if they were laughing at me, at least they were laughing. You know what I mean? And uh, Did you become a class clown because of it? Just a little bit. Make them laugh. So I like to talk a lot. Um, but um, uh, even when I went into high school, just kind of, like, got caved in peer pressure. Um, did some stuff I didn't really think I should have been doing. But, hey, if, if they'll accept me. And if I'm being honest, like, that's kind of been my life, just kind of going after acceptance and trying to get people to, to like me and, 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 and care about me, even if they didn't just said it, whatever. But How'd you get to Coleman? I actually met my wife, and uh, she's originally from here. Oh, okay. Cool. So, How you like it? It's okay. Really? How long have you been here? Uh, oh, man. Over 20 you years. You thank God you're out of Atlanta, son. <laughs> well. I've been there. I know. Traffic's bad. Yeah. Bad, real bad. Terrible. Terrible. But yeah, I met my wife. Um, we've been married for 20 years. Got two kids. Wow. Well, that's cool. That's yeah. great. Well, you got a minute? Let me tell you my story. Absolutely. I grew up in South Florida, Fort Pierce, Florida. Uh, it's really, we call it the promised land. That's, you know, that's where the greatest place in the world. Got a beach, you know, right like there. The About 20 minutes from Lake Okeechobee, so you got the best. Uh, freshwater fishing in the world and saltwater fishing, it's great. It's great. But I was called. Uh, well, let me. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me hang on a minute. I grew up a preacher's kid. Okay. Preacher's kid. Uh, went to church all the time, and and, uh, and I know, I know. Uh, everybody says, you know, the preacher kids are the worst. But I was the exception to the rule. Now my brother made the rule. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I hope he ain't watching. <laughs> Because he happens to be in town and he'll whoop me. He's, a, he's dad pre-Jesus, you know. <clears throat> uh, uh, and you know, I, I'd learned a lot of the Bible. Uh, went to Sunday school and all that stuff. And, and, man, I knew a ton of the Bible. But, man, I felt like there was something missing. You know, even though I went to church and, 
And uh, I'm telling you, I had Sunday school teachers that would ask me how to pronounce names in the Bible. Went to Christian school, the whole deal. And, and uh, man, one day I realized that, that I knew a lot about God, but I didn't really know God. Okay. And I mean, I, 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 I realized that I was, I was lost. I mean, that's a, that's a term we use there. If we don't, we don't know Christ personally. And, and man, I tell you, I got down beside my bed and I asked God to forgive me and save me. I mean, I knew, I knew how to do it because I've been to church my whole life. I knew how to do it, but I just never really seen myself as a lost person, you know, because I just knew so much about God. I was comfortable with that, you know, if that makes sense. Right. And then, man, God began to convict me and show me that it didn't matter how much I went to church. I was still a sinner, you know, and, uh, and so I asked God to forgive me and save me and Man, my life's been different ever since. It, 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 it hasn't been different in a sense of, okay, I was robbing banks and now I'm not, or I was, I was going to and getting drunk and fighting and carrying on and doing ignorant stuff and now I'm not. It's just I have peace now. I still go to church like I was and I still read my Bible like I was. It's, it's, that stuff hasn't really changed. What's changed really for me is on the inside. Man, I can lay my head on my pillow and I know I have peace and I have joy a joy that I can't explain. And another thing, too, is that I care about people a lot more now than I used to. So, man, my life's drastically different. But Jesus, he makes a difference. Is, is there a, you, you got to go. You, you good? No, you good? Hey, you got, can I take one minute, just one minute, and tell you God's story? Absolutely. And how we got here. Here's the thing. In Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, it says, for all have sinned, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that we've all failed. We've all made mistakes. Um, you ever told a lie? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so that makes us a sinner, right? You know, if we've broken God's law, and one of the, one of the commandments is thou shalt not lie. lie. So we broke it, right? So we're a sinner. Now, would you agree? Do you think that that's true for, about you? Probably. Probably. It says also in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, Buchanan, that sin had to be paid for, and the payment is death, but I got good news. This is the best part of God's story. It says in, in, in uh, Romans 5, 8, it says, but God commendeth his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth, it means to put on display. He, he didn't just say, God didn't just say, hey, I love you. He said, let me show you. And he sent his son to die so we didn't have to. He paid our debt. And because he loved us so much, he paid the price. And, and then in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so what that means is when I realized that day that I, 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 had a, I had a debt, that I was a sinner, I truly was a sinner. It didn't matter how much Bible I knew. It didn't matter that my dad was a preacher. It didn't matter that I went to church all the time. I was still a sinner. I was still a sinner. And Jesus paid that debt. And he said if I would put my faith in what he did on that cross and ask him to save me and forgive me, he would save me. And from that point on, my life has never been the same. Man, I have joy. I have a peace. I'm accepted. I know if nobody else likes me or cares about me, I know he does. And I want to ask you, 
Have you ever done that in your life? Have you ever asked Christ to save you and forgive you? Never have. Would you like to? Will he accept me? Uh, just right now, just like you are. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. And then we pray. It's not complicated. Listen, church people have made this so difficult. But it's not. It's simply caring enough about the person that you're with. That you're willing to tell them what happened to you. Now all I did, all I did was tell him my story. This is what happened to me. I was a church kid. I went to church all the time. I, was, I, was, I knew tons of the Bible. Uh, the, everything was there except peace. Except peace. My dad would preach, give the invitation, and I'd pray, dear God, I hope he shuts up quick. Because the whole time he would be giving that invitation, my heart was about to beat out my chest. It's called conviction. And here I am going to church, quoting scripture. My dad would take me on visitation and set me up on a chair like a monkey and say, all right, quote something. And I'd quote verses, chapters of the Bible. But I was still lost. And I was no different than my dad was in his situation. The only difference was, was we was raised in a different atmosphere. But guess what? Guess what? Every, all, you, all you church people in here, look at me, everybody. I'm almost done. We ain't, time's still up. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't look down your nose at nobody. You can't say, well, I've always been a Christian. That's a lie. Nobody's always been a Christian. Nobody has. You're not a Christian until the moment that you realize that you're a sinner. And that you need a Savior. And all God's people say it. Can y'all give uh, Buchanan, the sinner, a good hand? Listen, write this down real quick because I'm in overtime. I'm in overtime. Write this down. Who are we going to share our story with? Don't write that down. Write this other down. Who are we going to share our story with? Start number one. Start number one. Write it somewhere in a blank area. Let's start with our family. Let's start with our family. Jesus told that demoniac to go home. Go home. Your family needs to know about Jesus. Say, preacher, why do they need to know? Do you want them in heaven with you? Do you want to know that when you come to a place at a funeral that one day you're going to see them again? Then let's tell our family. And I know, I know, I know, dear God, how much I know. Sometimes family is the hardest people to witness to. So pray hard for Bob. Pray for boldness. But I'm telling you, we've got to reach our family. It doesn't matter if we reach the world if we lose our family. Our family is our first field. Say amen. amen. First is our family. Who in your family needs to hear your story? Who in your family needs to hear your story? Number two, your friends. Your friends. Well, I don't know anybody. Check your phone. How many contacts you got in your phone? 
You can't tell me there ain't one heathen in your whole phone directory. I'm a pastor and I got tons of them. Are y'all with me? Your friends. Let your friends know. That's what he said. Go home. That's your family. Tell thy friends what good things God has done for you. So we reach our family first, then our friends. Y'all with me? Then our neighbors. Then our neighbors. The people God puts you around. And then lastly, after neighbors, presented opportunities. Presented opportunities. These are going to be the times that God sets up just for you. He's going to put you on a plane beside somebody. He's going to put you uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a car with a car dealer. It was the Holy Spirit said, hey, here's your chance. Ask him his story. And you know what? He was the sweetest guy in the world. He said, let me tell you about my story. And it was a, it was a, it was a great experience. God is going to give you opportunities. Now let's prove it. How many of y'all need proof? Anybody, anybody from Missouri? You from Missouri? Really? Cool. All right. All right. Let's prove it. Let's show you. All right. Now, how many of y'all believe there's lost people? Let me believe there's some lost people around us. Okay. How many of y'all believe you got some lost family? How many of y'all believe you got some lost friends? How many of y'all believe you got lost neighbors? How many of y'all believe that you go to work with them and go to the market with them and everywhere else with them? How many of y'all believe there's lost people around us? How many of y'all believe God loves lost people? God, for God so loved the, the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in them should not perish but have what? So we know there's lost people. We know God loves them. How many of y'all believe that God told us to go tell them? Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Every single one of them. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we got all that down. God, uh, there are sinners. God loves them. God told us to go tell them. That's all we need. Let's go tell them. Well, I say that's all we need. No, next, we need a burden. We need a burden. If we have a burden, we'll do this. Let's pray for a burden. Let's pray for an opportunity. And let's pray for boldness. And all God's people say it.